You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show today after a short hiatus. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that is podcasting. Podcasting is a perfect platform to get your message out to the world and to really make an impact on the lives of others and your business. And today, I'm going to be talking to Spencer, who is the host of the hugely successful Spencer Lodge podcast. And we're going to be talking about why now is the time that you should really think about starting a podcast and how you can use podcasting to leverage your business. So welcome to the show today, Spencer. Thanks for having me, Zoe. Long time no speak, so it's nice to catch up with you. I know. It's lovely, lovely to see you. Let's go back to the beginning of when you started your podcast. Why did you start the podcast and what was your why for getting started? So I'd been asked to do a podcast for about a year, maybe a bit more than a year. And I was like, who wants to do that? You know, it's like, oh, I haven't got time for that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, and I didn't listen to podcasts. I wasn't consuming that type of content. Uh, it just didn't seem of any relevance to me. And then my arm was twisted, 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 till I kind of conceded and said, okay, fine, we'll do it. And that's three years ago this month. So December, three years ago, we started. And it was, it was more as a tool to, for me to do two things. Number one, um, share experience and knowledge, but also connect with people that maybe would be more difficult to connect with normally. And so I started the podcast focused on um, professional development, personal development, um, entrepreneurs and their success stories, and was fortunate enough pretty early on to be able to get big names like Tony Robbins and stuff on the show. Um, and that that taught me that I could leverage these people to get other people onto the show. And so that was great for a period of time. And I, I, I know all those people now that I've podcasted, they're on my WhatsApp. I can message them whenever I want. I can ask them favors. I can get them to introduce me to people. All that kind of stuff has been really valuable. But I interviewed a guy called Nick Yaris, who was on death row for um, 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. And when and we went live when we did it. first so the first podcast I'd done live on Facebook at the same time, and he told his story and he's a great storyteller number one but number two all of us myself included didn't say a word for almost an hour we were just like it was like holy macaroni what a story and it was from that moment onwards that I went I want I want to know more about this types of stuff I want I want I want to talk to these types of people. And so the, the podcast changed direction, and then we started heading down the path of finding people with inspirational stories, uh, people that overcome um, crazy experiences, some in heartbreaking, some, you know, bank robbers, mafia, you know, drug dealers as well, you know, but getting people that had been on extraordinary journeys. And that's really then where it moved into. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions, actually, because I had actually noticed that your podcast had changed direction. Because a lot of people start podcasts to elevate their brand and message. And in a lot of podcasts that are successful, it's the ones that know their audience, they know their avatar, and they try and solve the problem that their audience is experiencing. And I noticed at the beginning, of you were bringing like your sales into it, and you were using the platform to, to focus on that, which seems to have gone into... A completely different direction and is is that what you're purely focusing on now in relation to your podcasts no the, the podcast has become very popular and so now i'm in the enviable position of being able to change lane change avenues change direction if i want to again and a good example of that has been the rise of the crypto space and mm -hmm getting people onto the show that can teach my audience about, you know, digital assets, cryptos, NFTs, and stuff like that. And that's been, again, all I'm doing is, what do my team call it? They, they call my podcast Spencer's Google page because anything I'm interested in, I want to talk to people about. And if I'm interested in one thing one month and something else the next month, then if I'm interested in it, I'm pretty sure other people are as well. And so, yeah, it's gone, it's gone in uh, one direction at first. It's gone a little bit into another direction, but the, I think the core of it will stay now. Um, more focused on these extraordinary stories that I hear. So 
when you first started your podcast, did you really sit down and think about it? Did you, I know you said somebody had approached you about and they wanted you to start, but did you really sit down and ask yourself, why am I starting this? What are the reasons I want to start it? And is that a question no. that you asked yourself or did you just go in all guns blazing? So, you know Raj Kateche, it was Raj that said to me, Spence, 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 do a podcast, do a podcast. I'm like, shut up, will you stop going on about it? And then eventually I did it to please him. And that's how it started. Um, and he was he was running my social media at the time. He's like, it's really important for business. And so I did it to please him. And that, that's that's the truth. Of it. I'd like to say there was something more fancy or deeper about it, but there wasn't. Okay, so you just said then that it's really important for business. What has podcasting done for your business? Well, I get approached all the time by people that um, either investors or people that said it, that want to talk to me about investing because they know that's my background. I get approached by startups that want to come and promote their business um, on my podcast. I get approached by, um, or I get then engaged with people from the guests that are on my podcast and get a chance to utilize and leverage relationships with those people. So, you know, I, I, let, let's say you were a guest on my podcast and I've got your, your phone number. A week later, this is, what, this is what everybody can do with the podcast. If you want to build a business, this is how you do it, okay? You have a podcast and you invite every single person that you want to do business with on the podcast. So let's say you're in a B2B space and you, um, whatever it is you sell, it doesn't matter, but you're in a B2B space. Look at everything. Take your top 20 perfect companies you want to work with. Contact the CEO. Tell the CEO you'd like him to come and share or her to come and share their story with you on your show. That person comes and shares their story. They feel great because they've got a chance to share a story. They feel special because they've been invited and someone's asking questions and interested in them. Well, a week later after that, that is done, that CEO, you can send a WhatsApp to saying, Hey, Zoe, um, so, thank you so much for coming on the show last week. I really appreciate it. I learned so much from you. Do you know what? I'd love to buy you a coffee because I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. That person is going to say yes. So if you want to grow a business, then you've got an opportunity. You do two podcast episodes a week. That's eight a month. That's over the course of years, 96 people, 96 people that could become hot prospects in the B2B space. Now, flip it around in the B2C space or any other space for that matter. You want to work with charities. You want to get involved. Just invite them onto your podcast. Build a relationship with that person. It's like coming from the world of financial services like we do. It's like spending an hour building rapport. You know what happens when you spend an hour building rapport. You, you know, you've got a relationship with that person. There's a bit of credibility. There's a bit of trust. There's a bit of engagement. And, you know, you can also decide whether they're not the kind of people you want to do business with too. Yes, yeah, so from what you're saying, you're using your podcast. In terms of monetizing your podcast, you're using it more for lead generation, for building your network, connecting with individuals within your niche or individuals that would benefit from your services. And it's generating leads that way as opposed to having um, advertising on your podcast. Is that right? Well, I have a sponsor on the podcast and I have an announcement in January because the, the podcast, uh, it has a, a global sponsor that takes over in the beginning of the year. We're also taking the podcast to London and we'll be filming the podcast with a co-host in London. Wow, that's um, awesome. And that, that, that is because we want this to be a television show as, as much as we want it to be a podcast. And so... You're right, you're right in what you're saying, but it depends on what, what you're doing. If you take the, the early part, then they were people I, I aspired to be around. If you then take the second part, you've got me engaging with people that, that have gone through, been through extraordinary experiences. And then you take the last part where I've probably talked about money and cryptos more than ever. Um, then you find people that will engage with you and want to you know, know more, become a client, stuff like that. So it's the, the people in the, the kind of well-being, uh, the people in the extraordinary stories space, that's not a lead generation play. That's just, that's just me you know, listening from my heart to a story that's been incredible. And then I feel like I want to help that person in some way. And so they're indirectly getting a lead out of me. <laughs> Hasn't that, though, the extraordinary stories and the harrowing stories that you do have on, which, which are they're, they're so interesting, they are shining a spotlight on, on stories that are largely hidden in society and not a lot of people know about. Even though you say they don't directly uh, give you leads, that has actually resulted in you doing some filming, which could possibly or is going to be a Netflix documentary. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yes, of course. Um, so I interviewed a guy called Leon Logothetis, and he has a TV show on Netflix, which is now on Discovery, I think, called uh, The Kindness Diaries. And so uh, it's a beautiful TV show. If you're going to watch it, get a box of tissues. And he travels around the world relying on the kindness of others. And so he can accept food, shelter and fuel and nothing else. But when he experiences an extreme act of kindness, he repays it with a life changing gift. And, and it is a life changing gift. And these, these stories are remarkable. I won't give too much away. Go watch it. But at the end of the interview, I just said to him, Leon, I'm a little bit jealous of you. He's like, what? I said, well, you've got a TV show and I don't. And he just looked at me and he went, why not? And for once I had nothing to say, I had no words. I was like, oh, oh, oh. and in that moment, he said, look, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll, I'll jump on a Zoom with you once a week and we'll spend an hour brainstorming it. And if we come up with an idea that gives me goosebumps, then I'll help you make it. And that's really how it started. We then, which was kind of him. Then three weeks into doing the Zoom calls, there was a producer, a director, um, a, the director of photography, all these people on this call. And, and all of a sudden, this thing became really real. Um, and that's really how it started. Okay. So do you have a contract with Netflix? Like, how does this work? Do you have to make the so you? Yeah, so the way that it works is you work with a production company. So the, the company's called Doc, Dockland Films, and they they make hard hitting documentaries. So that's that's the business they're in, and so and they're multi award winning, blah blah blah, in the stuff that they do. It's, run, it's owned by a guy called Hanan Zin, and he used to be a war zone reporter years ago for TV channels from Spain. So the the way that it works is uh, in this in this example, I don't know for everybody else, but in this example, he said. Where do you want it? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, to me, it doesn't matter whether it's Netflix or anywhere. It's just, that's not my, my driver. My driver is for it to be, you know, something we make that can be published and, and, and used on television. So he said, the way that we do it, he said, if you, if you let's take Netflix as our first example. We will go to Netflix and we will ask Netflix what they want based around this subject. They then told us what they wanted. We then had to produce a structure and a strategy and a deck essentially for what we were going to make and how we were going to make it this in accordance with what they wanted. What happens is you, you make you and you, you fund the first episode yourself. So in this example, Docklin fund the first episode, they fund it themselves and then Netflix gets it. If they're happy with it, great. If they're not, then you have to make some changes in the edit. Um, then it goes back to them. If they're happy that they pay for it and then they commission the rest of the series and that's how it works. That's exciting. Uh, when are you going to be finished that? We just filmed two weeks or 10 days in Holland and Spain. We've got to go to America, Colombia, um, Congo, Philippines, Cambodia and Vienna before we finish. So we'll do a week in March, week, week in April, week in May. So can you give us a little bit of an insight into the stories that you're covering and the challenges that you're experiencing during this? So the documentary is called The Chain, um, and it's it's essentially about human trafficking and sharing the stories of people that have been human trafficked for either sex or labor, um, and then also meeting the heroes of those stories, the people that are doing something about it. So um, there's a lady who, in the show, a lady called Lena. She was 17 years old. Mum and dad split up. She wasn't getting on so well with her mum. She met a boy and dated him for three months and he whisked her away took her on holiday and fine dining and all the lovely things that ladies like she felt like a princess and after three months he said look you've been living off me it's time you went to work and she's like yeah sure no problem at all I'll, get, I'll go and get myself a job he's like I've got you a job at a hotel now she's thinking I've got a job at a hotel great you know waitress whatever it may be she and another girl turn up at that ho this hotel a few days later he said make yourself look nice she went into the hotel. She was sent to a room with the other girl and they had to have sex with 10 men that evening, one at a time. She's 17 years old. And I'm like, well, why don't you just get up and walk away? Why don't you just say, no, I'm not doing this? Well, I had a 15-year-old sister and he threatened to, to get her involved and do this. She didn't do what she was told. Um, and I was stuck into doing this then every night, 10 men having sex with me for the best part of two years before... They then, the, the, the pimp or, or trafficker then said, you're going to work somewhere else. And he drove her to Amsterdam and she worked in the red light districts in Amsterdam for a number of years. Um, and again, never in all of that time, never earned a penny. You know, every single penny was given to the, the, the trafficker. 
And um, eventually a Dutch guy went in one night, sat with her, talked to her, went and paid again the next week, went and paid again the following week. And the last week he went in, he said, I know you're not happy. I know you've told me a bit of your story now. Um, you're coming with me. And he took her out, took her to his place. The pimps were going mad. They, he threw her phones in the river. Um, and then he saved her, took her to the police, um, reported it. She was with him for a couple. He was a guy that was acting as a punter, right? And then he, he yeah, the, 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 yeah, like in America they're called Johns, but yes, he was he was a customer. He was a customer, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So you're clearly mm. um, shining a spotlight in stories that that need to be told. What what is your core value and your belief that you really want to spread and share during your podcasting journey? I don't. I, I want to bring stories to people where they get to understand that people have gone through terrible experiences. And whenever I come off any of the episodes that are quite traumatic, I come off the episode and, and I, I look at myself and I'm like, you have nothing to complain about. Your life is heaven. And so selfishly, that's the one of the benefits I get. And hopefully the, the, my listeners get uh, and viewers get that same benefit too. They sit down and they listen and they're like, wow, you know, if that person's been through that, my life isn't quite as dark as I thought it was. Um, and that's one of many stories on the, on the show. We, we, you know, I, I filmed in a brothel. Um, I interviewed a brothel owner. I filmed the professor from university who's, who lived for two weeks in a brothel in Madrid. Um, I met a Nigerian lad that made his way to Morocco, um, which took him a long time to get there. And he and 11 others paddled from Morocco to, um, to Spain. Uh, in a boat because they knew there was work in Spain and there was an opportunity. Um, and I met with lawyers that were fighting for these people. So all of these, the, the stuff that I'm doing, I'm, I'm just getting a chance to, you know, I've done okay with my life in terms of stuff financially. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, but this kind of stuff matters to me. And if I get a chance to share these stories and the, this knowledge and this experience that I'm firsthand, I'm, I'm experiencing it just like every single viewer is, then I think it's worth sharing. You spoke earlier about podcasting. When you first started your podcast, one of the reasons that you did that was because it gives you access to kind of industry experts. It gives you access access to kind of rock stars within the industry that you wouldn't normally be able to have access to. You have been very blessed, fortunate enough to interview some really amazing guests on your podcast. Out of all those guests, which one particularly stands out for you the most in terms of what has inspired you the most um because it's going in different directions there's different people at different stages i think alex lewis alex lewis really blew me away alex was um a guy that ran a bar in in oxford he had a girlfriend and a little boy and wasn't feeling very well on the weekend what the girlfriend went to work on monday she came home from work and still he was really ill and she took him to the hospital and while he was in hospital by midnight, they, they, cause he wasn't married. They called his mum and said to his mum, um, we need to amputate your son's arm. And she's like, what? Um, she then learned what he had, which was blood poisoning, sepsis. And by morning they'd amputated his, both of his arms, both of his legs, his nose and his mouth. And this is a, a good looking, handsome guy, but just getting on with life. After experiencing that, you know, you, anyone, anyone could throw the white flag out and give up on life, you know, but he didn't, you know, he, he came out and with a positive mindset, he then kayaked around Greenland. He then climbed a mountain in Ethiopia. He then built a wheelchair factory in Ethiopia. And he raised enough money to give prosthetic limbs to every child under the age of seven in the UK. And he said to me, if you give me a chance to go back and have my arms and legs again, you can keep them. I don't want them. I'd rather be like this. And that was really, really powerful. To see what he'd been through was just oh, jaw-dropping for me. Um, in terms of the people in the kind of whole business world, well, it was great chatting to Tony because he was Tony Robbins was a blessing. Gary Vaynerchuk, Grunk, I don't know, they were always good people to have on there. Um, because they're fun as well. Um, Marissa Peer, I really enjoyed talking to her. Um, Dave, Dave Evelyn Glenn. I listened to the Marissa Peer one, and yeah, I thought that was wonderful. 
Really yeah. <clears throat> She's a good girl. <clears throat> Dame Evelyn Glennie, when she was eight years old, was deaf, went to school, and her teacher put her into music. And there was a blind kid in school, and the blind kid was put into art. And that's just so different from what you'd normally expect. You know, the deaf kid would do art and the blind kid does music. She was put into music. She was deaf. And her, and her music teacher taught her to, to uh, feel sound. And she, she's now won two Grammys. She does global percussion events at the Royal Albert Hall. She's a dame. And she's just a remarkable human being. So it's really, really nice talking to her. But, I mean, there's been so many. What we're we up to 170 or so episodes now. So, yeah, and I'm sure, you know, the, the guy from the mafia, he was fascinating, you know, what it was like when he was, he was the head of the mafia, then he went to prison and became a born again Christian. Um, Posh Pete, that was a drug dealer that went to prison in Ecuador for 12 years. Um, I, mean, I mean, some people have been through some stuff, you know, but it was, it was an absolute, it was an absolute honor and a privilege to get the chance to interview every single person. And, and, uh, and although some people have never been interviewed before for a podcast, some people have. Um, the authenticity of people is really important. And I really enjoyed that. We started our podcast very much at the same time. It was around about 2018. And I remember when I first started, I experienced a lot of resistance. It was like, oh, my gosh, where am I going to get my guests from? What am I going to talk about? I'm naturally an introvert and quite shy of speaking publicly. How am I going to come across? Are people going to get bored of my voice? Are they going to, am I going to send people to sleep? And the whole imposter syndrome, you know, my guests so much further forward than me, you know, and, and all of that. Did you experience any resistance or have you experienced any resistance during your podcast journey? So I, I interviewed Chris Voss last week who wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He's a former FBI hostage negotiator. I interviewed him and Chris, I said to Chris, you've taken me a year to get you to come on the show. He's like, what? And the reason it happened is that I, I, I joined a networking group called Metal in Los Angeles. And the guy that runs the networking group said, who do you want on your podcast you haven't had before? I said, Chris Voss. And he emailed him while he was sat with me. And Chris responded immediately and said, Spencer, it'd be an honor to come on your show. And I was like, <laughs> you bastard um but um i think i think that i have yeah there's always been people so we, we don't expect everyone to say yes and in the beginning they did uh, nowadays far more do um but there's still resistance you know i'd love to get lewis hamilton on i'd love to get uh well i'm with stephen bartlett and lewis house in january anyway but i'd love to get them on the show and not have so much resistance um deborah mead has agreed to come on the show so um I think that at first you get resistance, but if you know, it depends how you reach out to people as well. Dr. Uh, Dr. Shafali, who's the psych psychologist for Oprah, um, I literally saw her on Facebook and sent a message on Facebook saying, Dr. Shafali, I think you're amazing. I'd love you to come on my show. Please, please, please don't say no. Please, I know you're going to be in Dubai. I know you're at the Charge Entrepreneur Festival. Don't say no. Please don't. Whatever you do, don't say no. And she responded, she's like, I've checked it out. Okay, deal, done. And so, it, again, always how you approach people. Then, and if you reach out to 10 and five say yes and five say no, then guess what? You've got five wins. You didn't lose anything. The thing that I find is, and how I got a couple of great guests, is by um, finding out what their main platform is on social media. Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Follow them on that platform and really just choose your moment. Don't go all in, guns blazing at the minute. At the, at, the, at the beginning, don't start following them, then send them a DM. Literally like the posts, comment on the posts, take a genuine active interest in what they're doing, comment on the stories. And I think over time, and especially those people that don't have a massive, large audience, you know, the ones with one, two million, it's kind of going to get a little bit lost. But the people that have got like a, a smaller audience and they see you consistently messaging and saying and making comments on the post, they're going to kind of remember your username and they're going to think, ah, she keeps popping up, she keeps popping up. And, you know, I think that's probably the best way to go about it as opposed to just kind of sending like a cold email out and not really knowing anyone's trying to develop those relationships first. Yeah, I agree with you. That works too, for sure. So I was looking at some podcasting stats, Spencer, earlier on today, and it's pretty amazing when you when you realize that there's more Americans that actually listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts. 
Um, so in 2021, I think it was like 28% or 80 million of Americans will be weekly podcast listeners. And there's now more than 10 million more weekly podcast listeners than the 99, 69 million Netflix account owners in the US. So this is huge and it indicates a massive shift from video to audio. And I remember when we first started our podcast, a lot of people were saying, oh, there's so many people that are starting a podcast. It's kind of saturated. What would your answer be to that now? Would you still say it's a good time to get in? You can talk yourself out of anything, can't you? True. You know, you can. You know, people people have certain mindsets. You know, oh, well, everyone's bought crypto now, so it's too late. Everyone's everyone's done a podcast now, so it's too late. Everyone's got a Facebook page, so it's too late. It's like, what an utter load of rubbish. Now, if, you, if you're going to have that lame-ass excuse before you even start, what do you think the outcome's going to be? I just, it's nonsense. There are hardly any podcasts in reality versus the number of people on this planet. There's an audience for everyone, depending on the subject matter. You know, we live here in Dubai. There aren't, not everybody speaks English. Not everybody's from the UK. Not everybody's interested in my subject matter. So there's something for everyone. I mean, you do a meditation podcast, you know, is that for me? No chance. But you know what? There's gazillions of people that love that stuff, you know, properly love that stuff. I'm just not one of them. So that audience will find your podcast. And people that like my kind of stuff will find mine. And if you start a podcast, whoever you are out there, and it's about sunglasses, or I'm looking around my desk at the moment, around battery packs, or around wallets, or around um, microphones, or flip charts, or <laughs> printers and stuff. Whatever your subject is, there are people out there that are interested in that subject. Create the content. Be consistent. It's really important to be consistent. Do an episode every week. Doesn't mean you have to film every week. Just film once a, once a month for episodes. You don't have to have a guest. You don't have to follow formats. Talk, okay? It doesn't take a lot to get set up. It doesn't take, and there's companies out there that will help you do it as well. Um, but what you'll learn after your first couple of episodes, if you've been a little bit nervous and a bit unsure, is that you'll start to enjoy it. And when you get feedback and people say, I really love that show, you're like, yes, that works. Have you ever had any aha moments within your podcast, like when you first started? For instance, when you kind of realised that, damn, people are actually listening to this. You know, you look at your stats, you look at your downloads and you think, oh my gosh, people are actually listening. And, you know, I've got a moral responsibility. I'm impacting the lives of others. Did you ever have that moment during your journey? And, and if so, how far into your journey was that? No, I never had that. Do you know what? I never think about the audience. I never think about hope the audience happy. I think about what I get out of it. And you know, I, I interviewed uh, Ken Rakowski the other day, and Ken did the first ever podcast. All right, the first, in 1996, the first ever podcast he did. He's interviewed over 20,000 people. And while I was talking to him, I said to him about this. There's something similar. He's like, "Who cares? Who cares who's listening?" He said, you, you and me are now friends. He said, if I can do anything to help you, I will. Oh, that's, the, that's the important thing here. That's the guy that's saying, you know, just like every guest on there, if you get the opportunity to build a relationship with somebody, you know, I've, I've built a relationship now with 170 people I wouldn't have normally built a relationship with. Would, would all of them bear fruit? No, of course not. And will all of them... Um, remember me? I hope so. Probably not. But most of them will because we try and make it a good experience. But I think you have to stop thinking about what other people think. I think you have to stop worrying about how big the audience should and shouldn't be. Um, and think about what you get out of it. You know, my friend Mark Priestley, who's the co-host of Wheeler Dealers, has a Formula One podcast. And he just, he love he does it in his garage. Okay, he literally does it in his garage in his house. There's boxes and step ladders and drills and shit hanging on the walls behind him. And he does it and he just he just loves because he loves the subject and he loves talking about the subject because he used to work in Formula One, he used to be Lewis Hamilton's mechanic. And so he's just like it's his thing. And the fact that he's meeting more like-minded people through his you know lives and podcasts, you know, all the better. The beauty of podcasting that it allows you to connect with potential clients, people within your network. There's a couple of 
ladies that I've interviewed. And um, at the end of the, the podcast, I've literally, when I've hit the stop button, I've said to them, you thought about starting your own podcast? And they're both like, well, yeah, but I haven't got a clue where to start. So then I tell them about Made Media, the podcast production company that I have helps women. And they're like, right, okay, let's talk about it. So it is, it's just a really good way to meet individuals that could benefit from your services. I've really found that to be beneficial during, um, during my podcasting journey. Mm, makes sense. Uh, they're, they're, again, lots of people out there won't know what to do, but it's like, you know, like people that contact me about these types of things. I'm like, have you Googled it? Have you gone onto YouTube and, and typed in how to start a podcast? Because if you do, everyone will tell you it's really easy. And there was another guy I was talking to the other day about his podcast and he, he films it and he films and, and, and there's lights, there's four five cameras, there's lights, there's the, the guest and he controls everything through pedals under his desk. And so literally all of the camera angle, I can't show you because you can't see my feet, but he's literally got a, like a, a bunch of pedals and he's constantly pressing the pedals as he's talking and the sound's changing, the lights set up and, and, and the different angles that are being filmed are being filmed for him. And uh, he, he does it all himself. We don't need a big team of people. You know, I'm fortunate because I do have people around me that work with me, but you don't need a team of people. And I, I, I urge everyone. If you want to build a personal brand, then you need to have a podcast. It's not you should, it might be good. You need, like, need to have a podcast. It's, it's, it's a requirement. If you want to build out your business and take on more clients, then you should have a podcast. It's a great way of business development. And if you're in a world where you don't have lots of people that are like-minded and you'd love to spend more time with people that just think like you and have the same interests as you, you should start a podcast. There are so many benefits. So you said you've got a good team around you. Are they responsible for doing the um, editing and, and all of that business? Or is that something that you've got yourself involved with? Or do you just pass it on to them to deal with? No, I don't even have access to my online banking because I'm such a donut. So <laughs> get, getting editing done um, is, uh, is all of that. So, so, the, so I have a team of people. There's a lady that does all the reach out for guests. There's a lady that does all the editing. They're, they're, they all work in the same business. There's someone that does all the sound. When we film, I have a film crew that come and film or filmers. Um, and so that, that's all done for me. And so my, my job is to, when I know who the guest is, do some research on the guest, make sure I can um, come up with some interesting questions around their story. Um, and then, then once it's done, it's taken away from me. I know you said earlier that podcasting has been quite selfish for you and it's like what you can get out of it. But I've often found that the shows that I've enjoyed doing, the ones that I've really enjoyed, you know, when I've looked at my stats, I've actually found it really surprising at the ones that are more successful, especially in relation to like my meditation ones. The ones with the most downloads are the ones that I'm thinking, oh my God, I didn't even think that one was that great, but it's had the most downloads. So other people obviously like it. Is there any of your shows that have really surprised that your audience have absolutely loved and that's kind of reflected within your statistics? So the, the most successful one I've had is Annika Lucas and Annika Lucas had three quarters of a million downloads. So that was the most successful one. I wasn't sure that was going to be a big hit. She has a horrific story that she went through. Um, I know with some of the bigger celebrities that typically the numbers are high. One of the ones that was really low was David Coulthard, which I thought was really interesting. There was really, really low, low engagement on that. But I think that a good example of this is, you know, you and I, when we were younger, used to watch Top of the Pops and the charts and stuff like that. And you'd every Sunday you'd have number one or the top 10 and the, the music charts. And sometimes the, the top two or three songs are crap. And you'd be like... <laughs> I don't like that. Well, that's, I think that's the same as podcasting. Did people have a different opinion to what you do yourself on, you know, the value of what you share? Um, somebody mentioned somebody I hadn't interviewed. This is like an interview I did a year and a half or two years ago. And they mentioned that person to me. They, oh, that was my favorite episode. And I'm like, well, how many episodes have you listened to? And they're like, nearly all of them. And I was like, that one. And I think back of it and I'm like, I didn't think that was that good. So, yeah, other people have different opinions and thoughts. And so you'd always be surprised, I think. Podcasting is a really great way to leverage the guests of your audience. Sorry, leverage the audience of your guest. 
So I'm interested to know, out of those two people you've just mentioned, I think there was David Coulthard and there was another lady that had 750,000 downloads. Um, did they actually share it with their audience? I'm wondering if there's like a correlation there. Unusually, no. Typically they would, but in this example, no. Um, so Annika Lucas, we, we put micros on YouTube. But Annika Lucas, we put two 15 or 20 minute videos, uh, excerpts essentially of the podcast. And that's that's where the, because again, the, 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 the views on that, on those videos are really high. And so that's, that's where that came from, I think. David Coulter didn't share. Um, but yeah, we are, you learn as well at the beginning of the journey, you're not so sure about how to do it, you know, and you ask loosely, would you mind sharing and blah, blah, blah. And now it's contractual. It's like, no, if you're coming on the show, this is what you have to do. We make three one-minute micros and those one-minute micros you have to share on your social media channels. Ah, oh, that's interesting that you do that. That's really interesting. So, you know, it, it's kind of like the uh, gentleman's agreement, right? You know, when we used to, when I used to be a financial advisor, you know, you do your pitch, you'd get that agreement during the pitch for the referrals, right? You know, you say your pitch, you get your agreement for the referrals. And um, it's kind of like the same scenario that you're using in terms of sharing the content. Yeah. That's really clever. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Just to, just to say to them, at the end of the day, we're going to make this high quality product for you. It's going to promote you. It's going to make you look good. And what we'd like you to do is to make sure that you share it with the audience. Is that something you'd be comfortable doing? Yeah, no problem at all. Okay, well, I'm going to put it in a document. Just please sign it and send it back. And they always do. Oh, you even get that signed. That's incredible. Have you got any other good tips out there that um, you can share for getting guests on your podcast, getting ideal Ask every, Ask every guest to give you three guests. So every guest at the end, when I finish recording, I say, who do you think would be good for the show? And they go, oh, I don't know. Well, tell me somebody in the same industry as you. And they say somebody. And then I say, right, give me, give me two more people. So, and, I'll, and I'll reach out to them. Um, and so I always ask that as well. And when you contact people and you've been referred by somebody as well, you know, from the world of sales. So um, that has more impact and gives you an opportunity to get more leverage and get them on the show. So I'd always do that. Always ask it at the end of every single episode. Who do you know that would be good for my show? Do they give you names? No, no, it's, it's not negotiable. I say to them, you tell me somebody, tell me some one person. We talk about it, they tell me one person. So, and I just say, everybody else gives me three just in case something doesn't work out. So let's go let's think about another couple of people and people are fine. Do you ask for an introduction as well? And um, Sometimes I do. They ask them to send a WhatsApp to them or send them a message, just let them know that they've been on the show. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love the way that you're dealing with this. It's everything that you've done within your life throughout your, you know, your previous, well, your career in sales. And you're basically just transferring those skills to what you're doing now. Easy peasy. So like Chris Foss came from Ken, Sandy came from Ken. Um, I'm trying to think back of the people I interviewed recently. Uh, who have I interviewed recently? <laughs> I can't remember. There's so many. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll tell you. Where did you come from? Um, let's have a look here. Um, so, Raul Paul. So, Raul Paul, he's incredible, Raul Paul, talking about crypto. Um, Mario Andretti came from David Coulthard. Um, oh, fuck human trafficking. Most of the human trafficking related people come from other human trafficking. So I've got a, a video coming out on YouTube. It's a really long video with a lady called Mary. And she was introduced to me by Annika Lucas. And, and Mary's story is probably the hardest story of anyone I've ever had to hear. And we decided it was going to go just onto YouTube. So yeah, she, um, yeah, as I go through them, a lot of them, a lot of them are connected to each other. So it's, it's just like the TV show. They'll give you an example. The people on the TV show, I interviewed um, a lady, uh, Amy Storer, who worked for Homeland Security about trafficking. She then introduced me to Lena, 
um, who was one of the guests on the show. Lena then introduced us to her lawyer and an investigative reporter who she'd worked with. Um, and the investigative reporter introduced us to the happy hooker, which is a 76-year-old lady that was a, a hooker for 25 years and felt it was her calling to be one. Which So we had the flip sides too. The happy um, hooker. <laughs> yeah, she's known as the happy hooker. And you can Google her, you can Google her. <laughs> and so... Yeah, a lot of people have a lot of people have come, you know. But we also go out and we interviewed that lady, have you? The happy hooker. Yeah, yeah, she's on the TV show. She's on the TV show. Oh, so she's not on the podcast. That's a TV show. No, she's on the TV show. Yeah, okay. the happy. So she's same age as my mum, and she was a hooker <laughs> for twenty five years. It's like <laughs> she's like, no, I just felt there was a calling, you know. I just felt I needed to do it, and I'm like, and you were a hooker for twenty five years. She goes, yeah, you know. And then then we're in her studio you know art studio she does art now in, in Amsterdam she starts opening up calendars of her naked and stuff and it's just like oh, I don't want to see that I don't want to see that oh my gosh that's interesting I guess it's good to see the other side as well where people actually go into that industry voluntarily and you know they've got the head screwed well seemingly got the head screwed on and they they know what they're in it for and they're getting as much out of it as I guess as she, as she made a good out, living out of it in the olden days she made a good living out of it yeah, yeah. I mean again there's there's different <laughs> look at you oh yeah oh no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not no I don't need, how much did she make what was her hourly rate <laughs> I don't need another career that's for sure um, no I just find it really fascinating though I find it fascinating I've got a friend who's who's in that industry and she was a, a a stripper and she now has her own very successful business and she um, she has her own academy her own online academy and she's absolutely killing it and she's teaching other people she's teaching strippers how to kind of make the most out of their earnings and more importantly to have an exit strategy out of the business <laughs> oh, before one, you get too old 100 <laughs> percent, yeah having that exit strategy out of the business so you know rather than just kind of spend everything that you have coming in that a lot of people do for a lot of people in that industry mm. do for years so mm. it's really interesting to see kind of like the other side of the coin as well you know some people in that industry are you know they've got their reasons for in it and, and they're quite empowered powerful individuals as well I'm not saying that mm -hmm. it's something that I necessarily agree with but again it's mm -hmm. just about having an open mind and being non-judgmental yeah because you know it's not something I would do you can't yeah you can't yeah you can't be judgmental you have, I, I definitely learned that when I was filming you can't be judgmental people have different stories different perspectives um and that's 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 absolutely fine as it should be what do you think are the characteristics, moving on from that, were the characteristics of a really good podcast host? Got be interested in people. Mm. Um, if, you, if you're going to interview people, you've got to actually genuinely be interested in people. That's, that's important. Why they do what they do, how they got to where they got, you know, why they made the decisions they made. You know, there's lots of whys in there. You've got to be um, really interested in people. You've also got to be aware that other people are listening. So you've got to have that that sense around that. Um, you've got to know your subject. So if you're going to be teaching stuff on a podcast rather than interviewing people, you've got to know your subject. And so you've got to, you know, just like anything else, you've got to role play and practice it. And you've got to realize that it's a tool that if you use it properly can yield a lot of really positive results so a good podcaster will get that and um, we i see loads of podcasts start and then stop after 15 episodes or something people just give up oh i'm not getting anything out of it mm. uh then you're a fool because you need to keep going if you could go back and give yourself some advice um, for when you were just starting your podcast is there any advice knowing what you know now what would you be saying to yourself? Um, why didn't you start three years earlier? Yeah, that's the truth. The yeah. truth. Uh, in fact, in fact, even earlier than that, I would have loved to. Have, I would love to have started even earlier, and and I'd like to be right now, you know, at five hundred episodes or whatever it might be by starting earlier. Um, that's the, that. That's the only thing that I I started later than I than I, I should have done. Um, 
Go, uh, again, the other things I think when I interview people face to face rather than being on a on Zoom or Riverside or whatever, I get so much more out of those conversations. Mm-hmm. So much more out of that human interaction, that understanding, the nonverbal communication, the guy with the tapping foot, the woman that's sitting there with the bracelet that keeps banging on the desk. Um, you just engage so much more with people face to face than you do when you're on, on, on online. Um, COVID taught us to do that. But I like what Stephen Bartlett did because Stephen said, I'm not going to do any interviews that way. I'm only going to do them face to face. And he does them in his flat in London. Interesting. Is that where his studio is? Doesn't have a studio, does it at home? So he's got, yeah, he's got a home studio. I listened to his podcast actually with um, Molly May. That's not that's not that's not his, that's not a studio. That's his dining room. Pretty impressive that that he's doing that. And yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. You do get that. You know, like when you and I decided to have the to do this podcast together, and we're both in Dubai. And I'm thinking, gosh, so were you both in Dubai? You should really be kind of meeting up person to person. And that kind of thought was at the back of my mind. But also, you know, there was the challenges of A, getting a room. And there's just a few challenges that came into play there. And which is why I kind of suggested you have it on Zoom. You know, I do think there's advantages to both. Because Zoom, you can manage your time so much more effectively. You can just fit so much more into your day when you're doing Zoom calls as opposed to doing it face to face, yeah, because you're having you've got travel time to and from the venue and you've got all of that. Yeah, but that's 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 just planning, you know. I'll I'll be going to London and flying to London to film for two days, four episodes a day. Mm. So you know, if you if you get those four episodes a day done, that's eight episodes done. You haven't got to worry for two months. Matching your content, which is something I used to do a lot of in podcasting. And it's great because, like you say, you can do three or four episodes. You can batch it all in one day. And that's your content for a month, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, again, I I don't do that so much at the moment. But Mm. once I go to London, I've got no choice but to. Um, And so that will exactly be what we do. And all the guests will know when they've got to come. And, of course, there's logistical headaches. And sometimes people are late and all that nonsense. But the fact is with... Do you feel that you can give as much attention, say, to the third? I mean, the most I've done is three in one day, if I'm being honest with you. I've done a hat trick. And it's training. It is, because physically talking for that amount of time, yeah, and like you say, when you're discussing kind of uh, quite harrowing, disturbing subjects, it can be really draining mentally. When you're discussing those subjects... Do you feel it's fair to batch them up or would you just have that as a single one knowing that it's it's quite a challenging podcast to do or I don't know, am I just making all... I think, I think, yeah, most people are telling me their story so I'm listening and so I'm just there to facilitate their story and I don't, I don't, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I get a buzz out of it. So, you know, I generally keep my podcast no longer than an hour. We edit it down to around 45, 50 minutes um and you can do four of those a day again if you're all on the same subject or similar subjects for the day it's actually a benefit because you can talk about other things that have happened in the other episodes in that in the next episode um but either way you're at the behest of people that are willingly giving you their time to come and share their story on the show awesome spencer I've got one last question for you. We've been chatting now for almost an hour. So what one bit of advice would you say to anyone? One bit of advice would you say to anyone who wants to start a podcast? Anybody who wants to start a podcast? Yeah. One bit of advice. Get a good microphone. <laughs> I thought you were going to say start now. Get a good mic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good idea. I'm testing my out at the moment um yeah what mic do you use you use the road one no this is a sure um, no it's this new one it's the sm7b so it's a sure sm7b is the new one i use sony headphones um and h6 uh recording uh device awesome. and then that's that's as much as I know on the tech stuff. Yeah, the rest so of it, the cameras, the same equipment. I've got the H6 right next to me here, and when I'm on Zoom, I actually plug it into my laptop, 
So whilst I'm recording it on Zoom as well, so I've got the video on Zoom and I've got the audio on Zoom, I've also got it on my digital recorder. So I kind of mm -hmm. like link it up to that. And as well, I use the Shaw, Shaw 58. It was actually Raj that recommended that to me. He was like, ah, oh, it's a great one. Phil Collins uses it. You can drop it a million times. <laughs> and I thought, right, I'm sold. And I have to say, for a microphone, it's really heavy. And I think it is because it's one of the older ones. I just got one, I just got one of these the other day, which they told me I needed to get, which is called a, a Behringer euphoria um2 and what they suggest you do with this is you plug your microphone into this and you plug this into your laptop and it gives you an ability to control the input and the output of your yourself and your guest on the show i i i know, I know so little about this kind of stuff i wouldn't know where to start I, all that happens is the techie people send me a a link and I send it to Sarah who you know very well Sarah orders it and it turns up at the door and then the techie people turn up and plug it all in when they see me next <laughs> hence the reason why this is like this because it came yesterday that's awesome and you're right it is such a minefield there is so much equipment out there that you can use but it's important for people listening that if they are thinking about embarking and starting a podcast you don't need to have you don't need to have a big wallet, a big fat wallet to get started. Essentially, you need that. That that is all you need: a mobile phone and a set of plug-in headphones. On your mobile phone is all you need to start. And I would urge people: download a podcast app. You go on YouTube, watch some videos as to how it works. You need nothing else other than that to start it. Now, if you're going to have a guest, you can get <coughs> a jack that goes in the back of your phone, and you can have. Two microphones that plug in, okay, to, to, to the person. To, I've got them even here. Two microphones that plug in. They're wires. They plug in to your phone. And before you know it, you've got two people chatting on a podcast, recorded on your phone, and hey, did VD, upload it to Dropbox, then get onto the podcast app once you've edited it, and you have got your first episode. Spencer, thank you for being such a wonderful guest. And, yeah, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and hearing your thoughts all about podcasting. Thank you for having me. It's been nice to be with you. You're welcome.